Hi, and welcome to Phantasmal Farces Adventure Eyes, where we delve into the world of entertainment and see if we can pull an adventure out of our arse. Our aim is to inspire and to show, so long as you look, almost anything can be a tabletop adventure. So don't be intimidated, and let's see what we can stitch together. I'm Alan, and I'm the forever GM McCastrix of a group of players in Wales. I love casting my fourth level arcane eye over stories and seeing how they translate into adventures. In this episode, we will be adventurizing Jonathan Creek. Jonathan Creek is a long-running British mystery crime drama series produced by the BBC, written by David Renwick. It stars Alan Davis as the title character, who works as a creative consultant to a stage magician, while also solving seemingly supernatural mysteries through his talent for logical deduction and his understanding of illusions. Joined by a variety of uh, sidekicks throughout the years, the show always revolves around Jonathan's inquisitive mind. Opinionize. Good evening, Rod. How are we this evening? Shalom. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And I know that. Well, I don't know the language. Is it Hebrew or Yiddish? Hebrew. Yeah. Hebrew. Okay. Uh, yeah, good. I'm also good. Uh, looking forward to this topic. Uh, Jonathan Creek. Take uh, two. Yes. This is the second recording after shenanigans. Um, but yeah, I Jonathan Creek. Do I like it? Yes, it's a favourite of mine um, since I was little, really. Um, you know, not super little, but it, uh, I was a big fan of like Poirot, the David Suchet ones, Midsummer Murders, uh, any 90-minute mystery shows or, you know, 90-minute, hour-long mystery shows. Um, the thing I like most about Jonathan Creek is it had a, it did have a better sense of how to mix comedy and murder, I, I felt, than some other stuff. Uh, and also it was completely fair play. They were a puzzle that can be solved. They don't rely on something seen off screen. Uh, you know, you, you felt like you could solve them, even though I don't think I ever got to the answer before the show did. It always felt like I could have done. Um, so, yeah, I really like that. I'm a huge fan of Jonathan Creek. I grew up watching it. <clears throat> Obviously, I've got a um, considerable difference age gap between the two of us. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I've, I've watched it and kind of still do, to be honest with you. It's it's probably one of my favourite TV shows, a fav serious TV shows. I count this as, as a serious show as opposed to, like, comedy or animation or comedy animation. Um it has a lot, I would agree with that. It has a lot of humour, but as in people are, st people are still dying. Yeah, it's, it's humour is, is to, to make it a bit more approachable, I think. It's not its main draw. The, like you say, the puzzles are there to be solved. There's no hidden sort of mystery. It's, it's, it's all there to be unravelled by you, the viewer. And it's, it's an elegant one as well. Um... I'm going off topic slightly, but yeah, just it, it's an elegant resolution to everything. It, it's it's sort of one of those ones where you're like, oh, I should have guessed. It's always and that yeah. that's the been the main draw for me. I've I've really always liked Jonathan Creek for that element. Um, it did get worse, unfortunately. I have to say, for me, um, as time went on, a, a random wife appeared out of the blue. Um, but yeah, the, the writing, the characters, and obviously the mystery itself was always top tier and a stayed top tier as well. Um, it's aged well. You know, no one's had to turn around and cancel Jonathan Creek or remove a couple of episodes from from a, a, a streaming service. You know, it's it's uh, it's just one of the the more mystery who done it to to choose from now. You know, it's just that. It, it sort of swamped a little bit, but to me, it, it stands the test of time and is always at the forefront of my mind. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a really good show. I mean, it's uh, it's good, yeah. Mechanize. So, uh, first Wait, things first. Oh. No, no, yeah, go, you guys. I was it. trying to do it together. <laughs> oh, okay. One, two, three. 
Where, Where did the, the flat players go? go. go. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, well, perfect. if this perfect, perfect. <laughs> that that was that was that was the angels. That was is in everyone listening right now is is dumbfounded, that, dumbstruck. Yeah, that, yeah, they're not they're not listening to us right now because they're just like we've heard sound. You know, stop with sound. We we've we finished it. We've completed sound. We've, we have found the gold north. Yeah. Um yeah, if if they're your, your sleuths, um they well they'd only have to be your sleuths. There's no way that they could be a spectator in all of this, just sat back watching Jonathan Creek unravel a mystery that the GM has prepared by the GM in NPC form. They they would have to be the sleuths. There's no there's no two ways about it really. Um, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Whether they're as an adventuring party, whether they are like a Scooby gang, whether they are police or just happened across it and they just picked up a couple of morsels because they were some some people camping in the woods and all of a sudden they hear a you know a, a noise in the night and get dragged into it. You know. Um, I they, would they... for for the purposes of of Jonathan Creakiness. I would, I would rule out police. I'd keep them amateur sleuths. Okay, okay. That's just, that's just my personal uh, thing. But yeah, sorry. Carry on. It's not. It's not all. It's not all criticism. I'm not going to cry after this or anything. I will cry. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's as a. It's easy enough to just lay the crumbs down for the um, the players. That that's pretty straightforward for them. The the rub the rub lies. Oh god, I'm terrible today. The rub lies, not the rub lies. Or light lub rise. Uh how do you how do you create a mystery? You know? Um I know I couldn't. So I'd have to do a lot of research, hit the books, um, look at what makes Jonathan Creek so compelling. And for me, so hard to solve before the big reveal. Although I've said that the information is always there, only one I can always I can say confidently that I figured out how it was done. The the exact details uh, may not be correct, but I knew the who and and the the sort of the whys and pretty much the hows. I knew that there was a time element involved, and this was the lady walking through a wet field, uh, was seen by a woman, and then was found dead. So she was found. She, she, her ghost was seen, effectively. If to yeah. just to put it into context for anyone listening, without spoiling it for anyone either. Um, so yeah, I've I've never been able to work out a Jonathan Creek mystery in fairness, but I've always enjoyed trying to sit there and figure it out myself. Um, so yeah, would I just lift something verbatim? Probably, but then you run the risk of someone recognizing Jonathan Creek and knowing how it's done. Um, so, yeah, if you're going to try and do something yourself, try and sort of think, like I say, try and see what makes Jonathan Creek, Jonathan Creek, and, and take it from there. So from what I've seen, the mystery shows have the benefit of obviously directing your attention to whatever they want. They simply don't, you know, they just point the camera uh, at what they want you to see, you know, bosh, done. So it's sort of, you have to allude to it without just railroading them to it. That's maybe a, a tougher thing to, to be done than, than uh, easier said than done, basically. Yeah. Um, though I would say that when you've got a TV mystery, what you, cause you said what the audience needs to see the, what the director needs the audience to see is often not what they need to solve the mystery as in purposefully make sure they can't see certain things you know like a camera angle that cuts out someone's face even though the other characters in the scenario know who it was um and you can't really do that in uh in a, in a tabletop game you can't go you enter a room and you see five people and they go oh what do they look like and you describe four of them perfectly and you say the fifth one i'm just not going to describe his their face because Otherwise, you'd be able to solve it straight away. You you can't do that kind of camera trickery, uh, or yeah. you know. But 
What Jonathan Creek does, though, is doesn't draw attention to it, although it's on the screen. So for argument's sake, I think one of them, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there was a very small and narrow um, elevator. And the person, it was only revealed very, very later on in the show that that person was deathly claustrophobic. And he just... Uh, but more specifically, Jonathan Creek also sort of rubs his finger on the the um, the frame of the elevator and sort of like looks at some chipped paint on on the do- on the frame of it. And obviously, Maddie, the the Caroline Quentin character, Maddie would ask him, "What's it?" And he'll always say, "Oh, nothing. Could be something. Could be nothing." So there's always little breadcrumbs, and that's the thing. He oftentimes he will just look at something, and it turns out that it's a red herring. But he does his job, you know. He he turns over every stone, and yes. that's maybe where you could be. You 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 give them everything. You allow them to turn over every stone, but not everything is going to lead to the answer. And it's all there in the room as well. For example, you know, the inf- they've stood in the the elevator it meant nothing at the time but you've seen it you see how small it is someone made comment on how how claustrophobic or stuffy it was so there's there's that is what i mean yeah uh but yeah you're right it doesn't all translate to tabletop role-playing games um like i say so you mentioned something however innocuous um and the party would sort of lock onto it like a dog with a bone. So you've got to be careful as well. That's that's the the real sort of balancing act to it. Really is um, is how you portray or how you display this information. Um, maybe it could be said for um, mocking up maps and things like that. So that you don't have to, um, and it could be rudimentary. I'm not saying, you know, 3D print an entire room with every detail immaculately painted and everything like that. Unless, um, you, unless you really want to. Unless you really want to, but you may never use it again. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if you wanted to knock something up in a dungeon mapper, or, you know, your your preferences on, on dungeon creator of choice is, is up to you. Or you could just draw it by hand there and then, similar to how uh, bingo cards at the ready, Dread might uh, require you to do. But yeah, basically, if you point the people or the players' direct attention to a certain thing, the players are going to recognise Chekhov's gun. And they're going to realise it and they're just going to carry straight through. So to draw things out, um, and that's the trick as the GM, you see, is that you want to sort of, I suppose, set your stall out early. Um, If you were descriptive of everything from the outset um, and you sort of give the players a fair amount of detail on on most things, um, but then obviously you do mention in that blurb the, the single item that, does allow you to crack the case they've got the info it's for them then to try and see out of the five things that you gave them for argument's sake out of the five things you happen to describe what one actually goes on to the next clue so you know clue one two three and four are not going to connect to that one but five obviously does and then they can follow the breadcrumbs like that almost like a um like a reverse family tree i suppose so you're starting with lots of uh you know evidence evidentiary things and then slowly but surely piecing them together until you come to the final one at the end which happens to be the the answer i suppose um but yeah trying to give lots of information like that because if you do it whereby you just you know as it throughout your your sort of usual games for example you're just like yeah there's a door there it's brown and then all of a sudden you then there's a bookshelf all the books are blue but there's this one book that's covered in that's not covered in any dust, and it's got a green back, and it's got a a, a, a gilded Roman numeral five on it. They're suddenly going to think there's something up with that book. So yeah. it, it's sort of you have, like I say, you have to set your stall out early so that nobody picks on to this and no one sort of gets the clues inadvertently. Um. So yeah, that that's sort of what I was thinking, really. You know, I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but that's that's my idea. Is you have to sort of, as the GM, 
because you're not to avoid giving away clues and such and that's the only way and in my imagination you'd be able to do it is by you know giving the the information they need but also in a dossier of more information and then they have to try and figure out what's what so rather than make things you know highlighted and obvious you have to try and be descriptive etc from the start i think this comes down to your mystery design and then how it filters into your description and game planning um because obviously you'll design the mystery and then you'll make that mystery work in the game context um and i think you have to kind of when designing your mystery go back and forth occasionally you know change your mystery if it doesn't work in game change the game if it doesn't work for your mystery etc um and i think you have to avoid that kind of chekhov's gun and instead lead to a natural thought process for for the clues so if we use your example of a of a, of a room and, and obviously it doesn't work perfectly is you describe the room describe the books the the door the door is brown the bookshelves are there there's a there's lots of red books um and it's covered in dust um describe it in that way just the base what it is because the dust hopefully some more then ask a question about the dust like you know is it thick you can then say that it some of the areas of dust are not as thick as others leading leading them to the same answer you had that one of these books has been recently read but without highlighting it you I, I see you're telling the truth but not the whole truth but... yes but but you're still giving the bits that uh that lead to that answer you're not saying here's the book but you're saying there's lots of dust around hopefully someone because if you only give a few pointers a few kind of movable objects people will interact with those so if you say there's a door it's brown uh, mention that it's made out of wood, for example. Uh, you know, you, you know, keep your descriptions snappy and to the point. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the the secret book that you want them to find, talk about the the dust and make anyone who asks about the dust. You know, someone might go, "Well, I want to see if the dust is normal dust or if it's you know um, dry, you know, plasterboard." Or, you know, is it someone might go, well, what's going on with the dust? And when they look at the dust, tell them, well, some of the dust isn't as thick as others. Yeah. Uh, and kind of push them. I, I've kind of thought of this is when you design your mystery and then make the game, the game description tell players symptoms and then they can find the source. So, for example, don't say there's. A secret door over there um say they see some scratches on the floor Probably by then look scratching it okay yeah by looking at the scratches they'll find the door these are very simple examples um because you'd need to spend a lot of time thinking about more complex examples but yeah that's how i would avoid it is never describe the thing you called the Chekhov's gun. So never describe that red book in a sea of green. Or was it green in a sea of red? I've forgotten which yeah. way around you did it. It was green and blue, but okay. <laughs> okay. Um but describe the 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 innocuous things that will lead to the uh what's the opposite of innocuous? The oculus thing. Yeah, um, the, the the conspicuous from the inconspicuous, I suppose. Yeah, but I uh, see where you're coming from. Go on, sorry. No, that's all I was saying. Is is so you know, as in uh, another thing, another. I'm just these are just examples. Is you enter the room, uh, maybe mention that there is a slight breeze, but it's you know, it's for example to take a kind of. Jonathan Creaky uh, thing, you know, you're in a large manor house and this room in theory doesn't have any walls to the outside. So a breeze means 
where's the breeze coming from? If you were to say like, ah, there's a secret vent, you, you don't have to say, here's a secret vent, but you say you enter it, there's the door. If we're using this, we're building up this room. So you've got the brown wooden door. You've got the the dusty bookshelf. With dust. yeah. yeah. And also say that there is an odd, you know, say there is a breeze. You don't even have to say it's an odd breeze. Hopefully, obviously pitch it to your players. You'll have to hint and nudge your descriptions either either way. But hopefully, if they're like in the middle of a basement and you say there's a breeze, the player should go, well, why is there a breeze? Don't give them the the things to to don't describe the things that are important. Describe the effects those things are having and then people will go look at them and they'll feel I think they'll feel smarter for going Ah, well, the breeze means that there must be a vent somewhere rather than going. And there's a strange grill like device, you know, as in usual. So instead of going, there's the brown door, there's the dusty bookshelf. And then in the other side of the room, there's a rectangular grilled looking uh, uh, object. People go, oh, well, I look at the rectangular grill looking object. And you go, oh, it's a vent. Yeah, that's that's a lot less satisfying or at least to me if you're doing a it doing a mystery looking for clues you want there's the breeze ah so i follow that to the vent rather than going yeah there's a door there's a bookshelf and then like you say just randomly highlighting that on one wall there's a there's an iron grill even though depending on where you are that might not be unusual and the only reason you'd mention it is because you want people to go look specifically at that one. So I would say maybe yeah, you could uh, you could say that there was a breeze and there's a picture hanging up that's slightly skewiff or is rattling in the breeze, and then people yeah. might look at the picture and behind it is the grill. Um, yeah, I, I see what you're doing there, and I would I would prefer your method than my own because it's much less word and and adjective heavy. Um, than, than my suggestion of having to then sit down and just sort of literally, you know, thesaurus blast your players in the face with as many descriptions as you can, even of the, the red herrings and such. You know, you could add into this, the, the, this fictional room, you could add then there's a desk and someone will inevitably go and look at the desk for drawers. Yes, there's drawers. Yes, one is empty, but the other one has a book in it. Oh, what's the book? And it'll you say, oh, it's a green book with a... a gilded uh, numeral of four on there and then they'll probably find that you know there's a one two a five and a six and the five and then you could describe it further so if they happen to not take any attention to the dust you could nudge them with another clue elsewhere maybe yeah and and that's kind of what i mean is you lead them to uh it's quite similar to, to a certain extent this is similar to when we were talking about uh escape rooms it's a similar thing they do uh where certain things lead you to think about other thing like they lead you back to other things you've seen i was actually doing that today i was on facebook and they was they've always got these ads of uh can you do this quiz and can you do that quiz one of them was uh um it, how to describe it it was like brain teasers almost and it was like who is the child's mother and there was a child in the middle playing with his toys and then there were two women either side and one was blonde and one was brunette and the child was a brunette um a, that was the more obvious of the two that you know the child being brunette and the mother being brunette but it also said children subconsciously face their parent away from a stranger when playing so it's it's that element of you having to bring your own little bit of of knowledge to the game as well then um not so much meta knowledge but you you have to w would you try and do that or for argument's sake if you're in some sort of fantasy setting you've got a barbarian who may have used their dump stat as an intelligent and then obviously the player knows something but the character can't and then they have that sort of disconnect there is there any sort of things that you've considered that like for argument's sake if we're playing people will inevitably want to try and roll for things as well 
I roll to look and investigate the room. I mean, where would you fall on that side of things then? I think that allowing roles that solve the mystery are definitely out for me. Um, I think if I was playing a mystery or running a mystery, it's something where you say up front, we're playing a mystery game, regardless of the... Because obviously there are some systems that kind of front load the idea that you're running a mystery. So those perhaps don't need as much of a discussion around it but you say we're doing a mystery so i would want you engaging with the fiction a lot more than making roles because to me it's more satisfying to piece together so if we use our example uh of the brown door the the dusty bookshelf uh I would much rather people go like, oh, what's, you know, what's up with the dust? What's with that? Rather than going, I roll to investigate the room. Click, click, click. The, that's me trying to make a dice rolling noise. Um, <laughs> click, clack, click. Um, you know, oh, 19. And then you go, oh, you notice that one of the books has been recently read. That That isn't as satisfying to me as going through the little... Although you end up in the same place, and some people would like the roles one, I would be going for the other one where you try and avoid roles unless there are, you know, you could use them for clues if people are really stuck. But if people are really, really stuck, I'd rather just give them a clue rather than have them roll for it. What if you have players whose preference? uh is is to roll who not to name any names but we do have certain players who enjoy a good min max uh and is and is in it to to win it effectively so where where would you lie then would you as a gm gently as opposed to putting your foot down uh and, and be harsh with them but would you would you be explaining beforehand or if they suddenly you hear the clatter of dice you go no that's not how we're going to do it today sonny yeah, I tried to do that. But if people were very much wanting to roll, and obviously in a game like D&D, there is a skill called investigation, and people would be like, you're nerfing investigation, blah, blah, blah. Though, when was the last time anyone rolled investigation? Like 1983, probably. Um, Jeez. Oh, no, wrong game. Carry on. I, <laughs> that was stars without numbers. Never mind. But, uh, yeah, it's... Obviously, some people will want to roll, but I would want—I would never want the clues to be locked behind rolls, as in, because that's the problem with a mystery as well, is if this is the clue that brings everything together, i.e. it's impossible to solve, solve it satisfactorily without that clue, and they roll and it's a two, and it's like, okay, you don't get that clue. Essentially, part of me would, would say, okay, you've missed the clue that, you know, do you go, you've missed the clue that would let you solve this, so there's no way you're actually going to get the right answer. We'll just end today, you lose. You know, game over. Um, and I don't think that's good it, it, for, in any kind of capacity. Uh, would you find that satisfying if you rolled a, a, a check and, and, it, and it was like a, a four or five and then the DM just said, well... That was the that was the one thing you needed, so you failed, you fail. Good day, sir. Uh no, that definitely that scenario, that scenario there would not be uh would not be satisfying whatsoever. Um I'm I'm less of a role R O double L player as I am more of an R O L E player. I'd much rather have an interesting character arc than desperately trying to mine xp to get to the part where my paladin has wings um although there was an element of that the closer we got to level 20 but uh, that that's by the by i'm not without sin um but yeah i'd, I'd much rather try and roll role play even if it was a mystery then but yeah particularly if it was a mystery I, i'd know where i was heading in but if you're putting this into a pre-existing campaign you would have said this a couple of times now but you would set your stall out early and explain to your players this is how this is going to proceed for a while so put the dice away for a moment or two yeah and if 
people really do just keep saying, oh, can I roll? Can I roll? If your players are not that interested, then yeah, just let them solve it. Basically, if, play if your players are happy to have it solved in a roll, you you're just going to have to suck it up and let them do that because they'll return to a mystery in future. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you should never lock lock the the resolution behind a roll because no matter how good someone is, you know, as in they could have a plus seven, you know, plus eight, plus nine, plus ten, they could still they could still end end up rolling too low. Then, um, I suppose, yeah, because then you get the argument of what is an automatic fail. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, never do it behind a roll. Um, the players should always have enough clues. Like once they've investigated all avenues, they should have a handful of clues that they can make a deduction and try and solve the mystery. I'm not saying that they have to be right, but they should have enough bits of information to have a fair crack. They can still interpret them all wrong and, you know, uh, you know, ar uh, arrest the wrong person, but they should have, they should do, do that because they've gone down the wrong end, uh, wrong uh, route, rather than uh, they failed a role. Um, and the Alexandrian um, is a website, and they have a lot. They have a good set of articles on mysteries, and they're pretty much the go-to advice for how to do mysteries in TTRPGs. They they have the three clue rule uh, is one of their popular ones, um, and also as well, GURPS Mysteries as well um, is another good TTRPG mystery resource. Though that's more about how to create a mystery as in it, it it's odd because GURPS obviously is a uh, an RPG but that's more about how to make the mystery rather than how to play it out at your table it's still an excellent book though that's something I would need then because like I said that was my 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 strongest weakness but yeah no that's but yeah that's what I would say is that the investigation should always get to a point where the players have a load of clues and they might go the wrong way with them. They might go right when they should have gone left. They might have zagged when they should have zigged. But it shouldn't be, well, we failed a load of rolls, so the only thing we have is this scrap of paper. What do you want? You know, as in, what do you want? Do you just want to randomly guess what happened? You know, as in, it shouldn't end up like that. And for anyone who may be asking themselves, well, what do you do if they do get it wrong? Whatever the context, whoever it is that you had, pardon the parlance, fingered, uh, is eventually released due to lack of evidence. Uh, your characters get wind of this and they can either let it be or they can go back in for a second stab. They've already eliminated one of the suspects. Hopefully that, then the, the evidence that they've accumulated might point towards a a different one instead, just as a thought, spitballing. Yeah, it, but yeah, it should ne it should never be. Well, you know, all we've got is this random piece of paper. What are we gonna do? That that you should always have enough clues that you can make a judgment, even if it is wrong. Or, or you know, some people might want it to be that it can never be wrong. I.e the players uh, end up, you know, whatever the players come up with, that's that's the truth. But that's a, that's a, what do you think, think about that? Is that something the players should know? Or something the GM keeps under his hat? Or never? He should always have a solid idea and never change it from what um, emerges in play. As opposed to the, the actual uh, solution yeah um as in if the players come up with they they've got all the clues and they go well obviously this that this happens what what would you say to a, a gm who, who goes well that makes sense so i'm change i'm changing my original plan what you just said is what actually happened 
suppose it depends on how the 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 mystery is uh, is presenting itself as well. If it's a side quest, it it's irrelevant. If it's a um a small or a short sort of uh stoppage on on the route to something greater then you know that would be it if it's the introduction to their bbg who happens to then who's done their first you know murder and that was sort of a practice run then um getting the wrong person could prove problematic if they if the bbg's character arc was meant to be they escaped from prison and that's another mystery to be unfold as opposed to you know track them down and and or how they did it or something like that maybe um you know if you're doing some sort of fugitive thing it depends like i say on on how so yes it all <laughs> let me try again all options are possible it depends on how they're being presented really um and how if it's just a one shot how generous you're feeling Yes. If, if, you, if you're pressed for time, then yes, well done, everyone. You've, you've got it correct. How did you guess? But uh, you could then, you know, quietly reveal to them over a, over a, a post-session pint um, how, what your original plan was, and everyone can chortle over it. But uh, yeah, it, it ultimately depends. Because um, also as well, Jonathan Creek is really, is really good for mining, for examples of... Uh, you know, the Sherlock Holmes famous thing of if you eliminate the impossible, whatever's left, however improbable, is the solution, or roughly, I'm paraphrasing. But but yeah, uh, the example I was thinking of is actually the one you mentioned about the woman with uh, the wet, wet trousers. A witness has, has seen a murder victim after they've already died, or at least the official time of death like you say, maybe thinking they're a ghost or an angel. But it comes up with that basically in order for that witness statement, that witness has said that and they believe that. But it can't be true that the woman died at, let's just say, 10 o'clock and the other woman saw her at 11 o'clock. Because you, if you use the eliminate the impossible mantra which is which is quite quite a kind of key thing in the kind of jonathan creek design of their episodes because one of two things have to be true uh either she died later than 10 o'clock hence why the woman saw her at 11 o'clock or the woman didn't actually see her at 11 o'clock but that gives you two ways into the investigation to look at um, and also to mention they play very very heavily in the episode of the, the witness's credibility as in she has no and will not need to lie yes as in there's absolutely no reason for her to lie she has no uh yeah like you she, say she there's do it as a day-to-day -day. she is a credible witness so what she says is not is not yes. funny business Yes, so if, you're, if you take her at her word, either she didn't see her at 11 o'clock or the woman died after 10 o'clock. I can't remember the exact times, but, yeah. but that's, that's the thing. And Jonathan Creek, generally, if you, find, if you do that and push the two things that are... Um, if you do that and go like, well, this can't be true at the same time as this. And if you then follow them as two different separate lines, that's usually how it ends up being solved. Because yeah. again, to not spoil, it does turn out, and I won't tell you which one, but either the witness did turn out to somehow be mistaken or the woman did die later than everything indicated that those are the two option one of those two options is what actually happened yeah and to, to basically as well uh, it wasn't a matter of hours as well in the episode it was morning and afternoon 
to, to there was no you know there was a, no element of doubt as to whether she was mistaken as to the time it was having breakfast and having lunch that that was the two sort of or maybe even an evening meal those were the two sort of um differences i think it was evening and, and morning i think actually they they uh... yeah 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 as in i know we say no spoilers but we're we're quite deep into an episode and it's over oh, 20 sugar, yeah oh damn and it's over 20 oh, years and it's over 20 years old an episode so it's <laughs> it's okay what because essentially what happens is the actual murderer manipulates the witness so what she thinks is 6 a.m is actually oh no what she thinks is 6 p.m is actually 6 a.m or 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 7 what she thinks is 7 p.m is actually 7 a.m because the wetness is the dew on the grass yeah she had wet wet uh ankles her, her jeans had been uh was wet uh, yes, as so, well as her shoes yeah so it turns out that the reason things happened is because the woman died when everyone thought she did, but it was the witness did see her, but saw her at a different time than what she thought she saw her. Because she's an elderly lady, because again, when we're saying she's a credible witness, she is, however, limited in mobility and things like that. So the murderer who is taking care of her is able to manipulate things around her so she can be confused that way. Because she has no reason not to trust the the murderer, basically. It, it sounds it sounds strange. Please do watch the episode, um, even though we've spoiled the ending for you now. Um, yeah, I mean the the yeah, it's it's a strange one though because also a, an example of of you know the way that Jonathan Creek would work. It it sort of. Uh, it it dashes our suggestions that we've made so far. So, for example, two people enter a garage, one person leaves. So the how, you know, is is how is how did two people enter and only one person leave? The garage was surrounded by police, and there's only one entrance and exit. They it was thoroughly searched and checked. The only way in. To the garage was the the garage entrance the 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 roller door at the front um so because there was nothing in the garage except for that one clue that we were looking for that would solve it how would we work does the alexandrian go give us any examples as to how um we would best because obviously th there is a smoking or chekhov's gun there there's only one thing to describe so how how would that work then? Would you sort of mention it in periphery, or would you let people deliberately investigate in you know in this in the term of of actually role playing as opposed to you know picking up their dice for the investigation? As how would how would you do that? Because that is effectively Jonathan Creek's secret weapon, isn't it? Is alluding to it, but never giving it to you. It's not pointed out directly. Yeah, I I would I would basically in this. If I was running this example, when they go in the garage, they would find everything in the garage, no problem. Because that's the, like you say, that's that's the crux of the Jonathan Creek mystery. It's, so you've got these pieces, what do they mean? So, so yeah, I wouldn't... Uh, like you say, you've got that one Chekhov's gun show them Chekhov's gun because in this case Chekhov's gun is not is not obvious without piecing there's other things you have to piece together so I would just say yep you go in and you learn everything about about the, the garage you've gone in and you found the what is effectively crumbs on the floor um I won't say crumbs of what but there are there are crumbs on the floor would you would you mention anything else or would you just mention just the crumbs? Because that's that that's the beauty of it for me, at least. And again, the reason why I love Jonathan Creek so much is that the big reveal always comes with that ah oh, moment, that sort of a surprise and b I should have known all along, and it it's got that sort of that feel to it, you know. And it was you know it was never stuffed down your throat. It was never obvious. Um, you never see with Jonathan Creek. You never see the actual murder etc take place you, you you might think you see it or you see it through someone's perspective 
And that could be an interesting way of doing it, then maybe is to sort of interview the witness, and the witness tells you what they see, and the details are already there. Again, in the, the example of the, the, the lady who saw the ghost, she gave everyone, you know, true, accurate information to, from her perspective. It's like zone of truth. You, you know, you have to tell the truth, you just don't have to tell them, A, the whole truth, or, or the truth to that particular question. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing. But it's in this one in particular, this one is quite interesting. I think I'd like to I think I'd like to try and gamify that this episode in particular, because it has some it's a solid mystery in itself, but yeah, I think I think it presents some challenges to making it work as a mystery game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite, 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 for, quite interested to to have a crack at that one. For those wondering what on earth we're talking about, uh, I'm not sure how far and wide our, our viewer listenership is. Uh, but yes, the BBC iPlayer, which is the the British Broadcasting Corporation's proprietary streaming service, does have Jonathan Creek. Uh, on there. Uh, it's from season two, what we're describing, and it's ironically called Dance Macabre, which yeah, is twofold meta because A, it's the theme song to Jonathan Creek, the music piece is called Dance Macabre, and we've also covered a song by Jost yeah. called Dance Macabre. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's season two, episode one as well, to be even more specific. Um, so yeah, it 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 may be interesting to to come back and and briefly speak about that as a bonus episode, maybe to to see how that actually works out, um, to see how you describe it and uh, how things are pieced together. But again, the Alexandrian is the the way of how to run a mystery. The GURPS is how to um, create the mystery, I suppose. Systemize. Okay, so system for me. There's a clear winner for me. Uh, Gumshoe is the natural system because the system is around the concept that you get the clues. It's all about drawing the conclusions from the clues. So a lot of the what happens if you fail a role, all that kind of stuff that we we spoke about. Gumshoe is a is a system as a solution to those those concerns. So my immediate thought I, I i didn't really think of anything else it was always uh gumshoe that i was going to say in this uh this section so that's me pretty quickly done uh over to you um yeah assuming that this is going to be an addition to a pre-existing campaign run just continue with what you're using we've already described that it's better off not being uh hidden or details not being hidden behind a um a dice roll anyway so it's irrelevant really um it depends on how deep people want to go into their character to use sort of the intelligent quotient and things like that to actually try and role play as them if they're playing dumb they may have a bit of a a rotten time of it unfortunately um but even the dumbest people have their uses you know so there's always one way to bring it back if, however, it's a one-shot and you have the opportunity to choose your own, then, yeah, Gumshoe, you're right. Um, Call of Cthulhu would also work good because that is they're dedicated investigation games, like you say. So, you know, the assumption and, and the, um, the, the, the rule set almost is built around what we're asking players to do in the first place so that it's, it's beneficial. Yeah, I, I, I follow Summarize. Um, that's for the that's for the blurb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, this one again. This one is a hard one to do well. Um, there's a lot of challenges that I think we've kind of hit upon in the discussion, but particularly dance macabre. I'm gonna have. I am going to have a go and think about how I would do this. I might end up finding, I might end up deciding that, you know what, it's hurting my brain too much. But uh, 
yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go away and uh, and definitely look at implementing this. And I do think that if you run mystery games, however you run them, whether it's uh, the you know using Gumshoe or or whatever it might be, uh, I do think Jonathan Creek is a good it's a good thing to mine uh, for um, for other things. Um, I would probably have to spectate the Dance Macabre game because I know how it's done, so I wouldn't be able to participate, really. I would just skip straight to the end. Um, I'm, I'm too scared to run one as myself. I'd maybe want to try and see someone else doing it first and emulate that if it was successful. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do, like I say, I, I like role-playing. Um... R-O-L-E, so I, I certainly would try and, and give it a go as a player or as a character and uh, unravel a few mysteries. Yeah, I, I think this one is, uh, is maybe like you say, we do a, a bonus, a bonus, I was going to say a bonus action. I've been reading about um, what people want from the new edition of, or if it's going to be a new edition of Dungeons and Dragons. So I've been reading the word bonus action a lot today. So I meant to say bonus episode, but uh, yeah, of how did it go? So thank you very much for everyone for listening. Um, season two has come to a close. It's, it's whizzed by, I mean, what has it been now? Six months? Feels like six months. I feel like I've aged. Yes, it'll be slightly over six months. But when when this when this hits the airwaves, it'll be slightly over six months that we released the first episode. Um, so yeah, wow. Um, we've got an affiliate link. Same as always, we get a small kickback. Costs nothing extra to you. Please use it. Firestone Games. They've got a new building. It's really good. They've got a wide range of everything you'd ever need as a gamer, be it board games, painting, you know, war games, whatever, card games. Um, included also in the description will be uh, a Jonathan Creek episode link to the BBCA player um, called The Black Canary. It's their most watched episode. It's their highest rated episode uh, in the sense of the television ratings. It's not like... Um, uh, rotten tomatoes or anything so please do go ahead and, and look at that you know it's like I say it's their most viewed one in theory people were you know viewing for a particular reason and it's a, a good example of what Jonathan Creek is at its essence um, but yeah you know season two season three will be around the corner soon thank you all very much anything you want to add Alan to our lovely listeners no I think it's it's the same just uh Thanks for for listening, and uh, hopefully see you next time. But we'll not see here, and you'll hear us. We won't hear you. We can't hear you through your speakers. Well, we could if they uh, messaged us in all the normal social medias: Twitter, Facebook, uh, Apple Free Parking, Rear Open Back Holiday Monday. Terms and conditions may apply. Surprise! Whiskey business. There we go. There's the harmony. So that was our episode on Jonathan Creek. Hope you got some good ideas out of it. So next time you need something that inspires you, you won't just theorise, but adventurise. And if you do, please let us know. Um, all the social links to socials found in the show notes. And we'll catch you next time.